books and commentaries here, and uh, everybody breaks this psalm up differently. Uh, it is not just uh, one uh, uh, commentary based on the Hebrew, breaks it up into six different sets of six lines, and uh, I looked it up in the Hebrew text, and it's not there. It's just verses like we have in our, our Bible, and and uh, so... Uh, this guy did it this way, and so I'll, I'll just do it my way, amen, uh, because I'm the preacher here, and we're going through this. We're just going to look and remember that the poetry is working on ideas. And so this first part and the last part are, uh, this is one of the signed psalms. It says, a psalm of David there it is noted to the chief musician. Now, one person who says that um, they read the Hebrew and everything said, actually, the inscription on this psalm is not a psalm of David, but David's psalm, uh, which would put it in a very different light. Uh, and as you read through this psalm, you will see David's testimony all. Through this psalm, you'll see David, uh, and he starts talking about his deliverance, and then we get down to uh, verse 12. It says, For innumerable evils have compassed me about, mine iniquities have taken hold on me, so that I am not able to look up. Uh, in the middle of this psalm is a messianic prophecy. It is brought out in the book of Hebrews and quoted by the writer of Hebrews concerning Jesus Christ. And so some commentators have tried to come through and make the entire psalm talk about Jesus. And, uh, but Jesus had no iniquities ever take hold on him. Uh, they tried to make that say, well, when he was on the cross and God poured out all the judgment of all sin on him. Uh, well, that, that is figurative. Poetry is figurative. But that's a little more figurative than my imagination likes to go. And, and yet, if we take this and make it uh, David's psalm, as is inscribed, a psalm about his life, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside the lies. Isn't that a wonderful stanza there just a and and each part of these first four boy, verses the subject here is the psalmist he said i waited patiently for the lord and you say well when when did david wait patiently how about all the time that saul was chasing him he had two opportunities to put his hand forth and put saul to death and he would have become king, right? Wrong. God had a plan. And it took time. David was anointed by Samuel. And 
I, I hope you don't get tired of this, but I just love the picture. Here's David's big brothers. And they're all 10, 12, 15 years older than he is. He's the little boy. He's the cute one. He's the baby of the family. The Bible said that he was ruddy and with all a beautiful countenance. He was, he was just what we would call a, a beautiful-looking boy. And uh, not that he was a sissy in any way, but I mean... He was just one of those, uh, you know, the face on the Gerber baby food. I mean, just there. Oh, it's so you just want to pinch those cheeks. Uh, that was David. And Samuel took all of his brothers facing out and made a circle around them. They didn't know what went on. And here's David, maybe 12 years old. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't understand life. He sees Samuel standing in front of him, that old man advanced in age. And he reaches into that garment that he wore, that long sleeve, and he pulls out a horn of oil. And he breaks it and he pours it on his head and he whispers in in David's ear as the oil's dripping down all over his clothes. I'm sure David's going, what is, oh, this is, he says, the Lord has anointed thee to be the king of Israel. Now, you keep it closed. Don't you tell anyone. God will reveal to you in his time when you are to be king. But know for sure, young man, that God has called you to be the king of Israel. Wow. And David says, I waited patiently. What did he do while he was waiting patiently? Took care of his father's sheep. Killed a lion. Killed a bear. When it came time, he killed Goliath. And then he was elevated to a position of authority. And then Saul demoted him. Then he was married to the king's daughter. And then he became a vagabond and a fugitive. I think about this. David shows up at Gath wearing Goliath's sword. I mean, you talk about... Not very bright. I mean, this is Goliath's hometown. You show up at the palace. Could you imagine the whispering that was going on in the town? And David feigned himself as a madman. Does that sound like miry clay to you? David had to pretend he was crazy to escape Gath with his life. But God set him up and... Later, David, as he built himself a house in the city of Jerusalem and was established king over Israel, he said, let's build a house for God. And God said, nope, you're going to have to wait. But he said, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. Do you see all of those prophecies here? And we do not know the timing of this psalm, but uh, I believe this would have been a later uh, psalm. Uh, maybe not at the very end of David's life. But he said, Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside the lies. Maybe this was after uh, Absalom's rebellion, when Ahithophel 
and Absalom conspired against David to put him to death. We, we do not know, but it would be a very fitting description of those events, would it not? And so David talks about how that he waited and God inclined unto him. God bent toward him and heard his cry. It says, He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Verse 3, He put a new song in my, heart, in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. That's one of the reasons I love to have the praise time on Sunday nights. You know, I think if, if we would pray, if we would really seek the Lord, give me something to give a testimony about God's goodness next Sunday night. I believe God would answer that prayer. He wants His praise. And David said, He's put a new song in my house, in my mouth, even praise uh, to the Lord. And it says, Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. David said, I want to use God's work in my life for one purpose. To cause other people to trust in the Lord as well. And then we get to verse 4. And he says, Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Blessed is the man that doesn't respect the proud. Doesn't listen to the lies that are out there. And then David changes. Now, he has talked about all the things uh, that... Uh, The Lord has done. He's talked about what has happened in his life. The theme has been the life of the psalmist. Now he's going to turn this thing opposite and he's going to talk about God uh, in the next several verses here. He says, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works. This is a song of praise he was talking about just a little bit before. His prayer that was reflected in the first four verses might be, Uh, Similar to this, I'm in trouble, help! Now we get to verse 5. And I'm not in trouble anymore. My feet are solid. Things are established. I have time, energy, and strength. And I am going to use that strength to praise God. We, We need to be mindful. I mean... I don't know about you, but sometimes in, in, in our wonderful city in which we live, survival seems to be the goal. If I can just get through another week of work, if I can just, uh, you know, if I can get through the service tonight, I get to go on vacation tomorrow. Oh, just, just a little longer. Hold on. But is that the way the Christian ought to be living? No. We ought to be looking to God. Now, look what he says here. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Wow. What a testimony. David is just simply saying, if I could count up everything that you've done in my life, God, 
I can't count that high. I, I would lose track of them. And could this not be true of all of us if we would just walk in the way that God would have? He, he blesses us so often and we need to... Uh, I try to be mindful even when we have the time of prayer at our praise time. You know, the Lord is doing things that we're not paying attention to and we're not mindful of. How, how many times? I'm glad I don't know. Have I missed death by that much? Because I wasn't paying attention. But God was. Uh, I mean... I, I know when I get to heaven, there's going to be one guardian angel with a bad set of nerves. He was the one that rode back and forth from when I was a student in Bible college. I get behind the wheel. At, uh, uh, I get off work at 11 o'clock, I mean, 7 o'clock in the morning. I go to school all day and then run home, pack my bags, and start driving home. So I'd already been up 18 hours and then start on a 20-hour drive straight through and not sleep all the way. I mean, there's going to be uh, at least one guardian angel with a rattled set of nerves that kept me alive all that time. I mean, I just, we want to be thankful to God for what He's done. Let's be mindful of those things. Let's understand that we cannot sum it up. Then we get to verse 6. And uh, if we would go to the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, we're going to find these next three verses quoted. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of thy book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, Thou knowest. I have not hid Thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared Thy faithfulness and Thy salvation. I have not concealed Thy loving kindness and Thy truth from the great congregation. Now, he finishes this up. And honestly, verses 5 through 11 really are a psalm or a prophetic portion that tell us about the work in the ministry of Jesus Christ. How many things did God do to bring into alignment the fulfillment of all the prophecies that were prophesied in the Bible? First, the prophecies had to be made hundreds of years before Jesus was born. They had to be recorded in the Scriptures. The Scriptures had to be preserved. Then Jesus came and fulfilled each one of them in turn. And any honest person picking up this book called the Bible and honestly reading the words must understand that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of the Jewish people. You cannot come to any other honest conclusion. And Jesus did come to do God's Word. In the volume of this book, it is written of the Lord Jesus. It says, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Jesus was a preacher. Uh, we need to be reminded that uh, when Jesus asked the disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. Elijah was the wild man from the wilderness. Jesus was all of those wrapped up in the one. I, I cannot wait to hear our Lord and Savior expound the, and teach us all the secrets that are in this book. Amen? But let's stop a minute and remember that David wrote this psalm under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Could not these things be also partially fulfilled or, or just as true as David could make them in his own life? You see, God had done many wonderful works in David's life when he had sinned with Bathsheba and Uriah and all of the terrible things that happened in that house. God put away his sin. David said, I I am coming to do thy will. And when you compare David's life to The life of King Saul, his predecessor, did not David delight to do the will of God? Did not David teach the congregation of Israel? And as they brought up the ark of God to the city of Jerusalem the first time on the ark, and Uzzah died because they didn't do it the right way, David went back and took uh, counsel with the Levites and with the priests and straightened that whole thing out. and, and, And he said, we need to move the ark up to Jerusalem, we did not seek it as a nation at all. The whole, the whole reign of Saul. We're going to do that. He, and how many psalms and songs had David written about God's goodness and His loving kindness? But then we get to verse 11 and things change again. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord, let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve thee. For innumerable evils have compassed me about, mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth thee. me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me, Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. The last part of this is, David said at the beginning, Lord, you've done all these wonderful things. You put this song of praise in my heart. And and he goes on to lift up all of these incredible praises. And, and in fact, the... Uh, The writer of Hebrews tells us that these were prophecies concerning the Messiah, who is the son of David. 
And yet David in his own life fulfilled each one of them in in at least a partial way. Certainly nothing like what Jesus has uh, done. And we are looking forward to all those wonderful things that the future yet holds. And yet David starts in verse 11 by an earnest and sincere prayer. He said, "I, I need those tender mercies, O Lord. You know, there's not a day that goes by that we do not live by the tender mercies and the loving kindness of God. That's what keeps us. That's what allows us to continue serving the Lord. I don't know how many of you saw this this morning. Several people did. We had a visitor came in. And as soon as I started making a few comments about evolution and marriage and all of those things, I took off just, yeah, how can these people be so stupid? And I'm sitting there going, you know, she, she, this poor person thinks that everybody in this church agrees with her. And we're all laughing at her because it's quite a display. And and it's tragic that a person would think that this book called the Bible does not teach against the foolishness of man. But except for the tender mercies of God, we'd all be in that same boat. Could we remember that tonight? And thank God for His tender mercies. Thank God that He continually forgives us. That if we confess our uh, sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And don't forget that last phrase, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we move on through this little psalm, it says, Innumerable evils have compassed me about. David's world was no better than ours. I will tell you that. But the closer we get to God, the little bit that our eyes are open to understand who God is, as we look back, we see how great our sinfulness is. The closer we get to God, the more abhorrent we become in our own sight. Now, see, the world calls that all kinds of different isms, schisms, and uh, syndromes, and, uh, you know, and they want to give you enough drugs that numb you up so that you don't feel bad anymore. I don't need to feel despair over the fact that I'm a sinful human being because those tender mercies of the Lord are what holding me in place. God loves me in spite of who I am, not because of who I am. We must grasp that truth or you'll be forever just standing there wondering why God does not care for you as much as He does everyone else. And by the way, As we live in this world, someone was noting this. I'm not sure which one it was. I think it may have been Rush Limbaugh was talking about how that 
all these people go on their Facebook and their, you know, social media and tell about how much a wonderful life they give, but it's have, but it's all a bunch of lies. They're trying to make themselves. In fact, I saw how desperate it was in Walmart. I was out there Friday. We were just doing a little project at the community, fixing some rotten wood in the steps and. And so I figured, I'll just pick up a few things. And I heard this lady, oh, look who's at Walmart. And there was a dog in the cart. Some some person had put their dog in the shopping cart. And I'm sitting here looking, oh, I wonder if that dog has been in my shopping cart. I mean, that's just me. I'm sorry. And, and uh, so this lady stand there talking about her dog and another lady's taking and she says, I've got to post this and let everybody know what I saw at Walmart. And I'm sitting here going, wow, what a life that you got to post a picture of somebody else's dog and that's one of the high points of your day. I can talk to the creator of this universe and he listens. He wants to help. He wants to solve. Do you get it? We, we live in a world of make-believe. I, I get so tired of people saying, well, you just don't know what the real words are like. You just live in the church and Oh, I know enough about the real world to know that I've had enough of the real world. I'll take this world any day. But even though I understand the truth about myself, I'm not able to look up. There is nothing in me that deserves God's mercy. Verse 13, it says, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Oh, Lord, make haste to help me. Verse 14. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. How many times in David's life were people trying to do things to destroy him? And David said, let them be ashamed and confounded. Do, Lord, I want you to do both. Because I want people to understand that as I am trying to serve thee, remember back, I am come to do thy will, O Lord. There's a connection there. David said, as I'm trying to be obedient with my life, I, I want you to... Drive them backwards and put them to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. The world laughs at us. They make jokes. They think we're so silly and we're so backwards. But what did Jesus tell his church? Revelation chapter 3. He said, I'm going to make those which say they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan, I'm going to make them worship at thy feet and know that I have loved thee. I have, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to rejoice in that fact or not, but it's in the Bible. 
It's a promise that God has made, and I'm, I'm thanking Him for it. Every time that I see someone walking around in there, uh, religious whatever it is, and trying to tell us that we don't know what we are, and we don't know the Bible, and we don't know this, I, I get so tired of the smartest man in the room, I could just barf sometimes. We, we don't need smarts. We don't need great thinkers. We just need simple people who will trust in God. Can we say amen to that? That's the message of this psalm. And it is not a sin to pray that God would put to shame the, uh, oh, what was his name? Hawkins and all of these guys that run around blaspheming God with their entire life, trying to tell us that we... Uh, have no understanding. And if I see one more advertisement about the dinosaurs being killed with an asteroid, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I guess I'll just have to stop uh, reading the news or something there. But look what it says. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. That is our prayer. That is the prayer of David. He, he says, I want you to, uh, to be magnified in my life. I want to be glad in thee. I want to be able to say continually, the Lord be lifted up. But look at verse 17. It says things aren't like that right now. But I am poor and needy. He said, when he wrote this psalm, he said, I'm in trouble. We, again, we do not know the exact timing or events. But I almost wonder if this wasn't one of the later psalms in David's life after he had numbered the children of Israel against God's word. And God had sent his angel out to destroy the nation of Israel. It says 70,000 men died in three days. And that angel with the sword stood over the city of Jerusalem. And David went up there and he sacrificed. And he saw the angel take the sword and put it back in the sheath. And David said, I'm I'm poor and needy. I, I don't have what I... What I need. I do not have the right to stand before thee. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. You know why David was up there at the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite? Because Nathan the prophet had told him to go up there and offer a sacrifice. God had opened his eyes to see the angel of God's judgment standing there. And God allowed David to offer that sacrifice and watch the sword be put away, knowing that God heard his prayer for his people. He says, Make no tarrying, O my God. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Don't wait. Hurry, please. It's all right to plead with God to come and to help us and to meet our needs. But let's go back to the first verse. 
I waited patiently for the Lord. See, most of these psalms that that we're they go in a whole circle. He said, I waited patiently. The Lord brought me up. He set my feet on the solid rock. He established my ways. And now I'm going to take every bit of strength. If I were to try to number all the good things God has done, I couldn't do it. He said, the sacrifices are not what takes away sin. It's the work of Jesus Christ. He said, I am come to do thy will, O Lord. And I'm sure that David in his heart, as he penned these words, were saying, that's what I want to do. Uh, I'm not perfect at it. I'm not the way I should. And, And... he says, uh, we need to preach the message to the people. Uh, we need to uh, uh, put forth the Lord's righteousness, His loving kindness to the congregation. But I need thy tender mercies each and every day. Because I'm a sinful man. You know, God forgives all of our sins. The Bible says He separates them as far from us as the east is from the west. But I'll tell you what, we can't forget our sins. They're up there in our minds and in our hearts. And, and, and we, the devil loves to send Christians to the graveyard of forgiven sins to do the ghoulish work of unearthing things that God has forgiven. No Christian has the right to ever go there. When we do, we are in disobedience to God's Word. What we are supposed to be doing is giving a testimony of God's greatness and God's goodness. And God will shame the enemies of the truth. may not be in my lifetime that we will see all of this craziness done away with. But I will tell you this. When we stand before God, Darwin is not going to have an answer. When he stands before his Creator, he's not going to explain him away. Stephen Hawkins and all of his mathematical formulas and all of his whatever it is, and Carl Sagan with his billions and billions and billions of stars are going to be dumb. In fact, the Bible says they're going to bind them hand and foot and cast them into the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone forever and ever. I'll tell you what, we're not going to be happy on that day. We're not going to be rejoicing because they refuse those tender mercies that we have walked with every day. But I don't know about you. Most of us are facing some trials and some difficulties Our church is going through a difficult time. Praise God. He is bringing us through. But guess what? We can pray. And God is working. We we must see these other churches take root. And what we need. The thing the Community Baptist Church never had. The largest membership that we understand in their whole history was 17 people. Now, they had big attendance, but they didn't have membership. Now, we need to pray that people will join. We need to pray that our membership will go up. We need to pray. Union Baptist Church used to have 500 members. 
Now I think they got seven or eight. Brother Franz has just got a handful there. We live in these last days. We are poor. We are needy. We need the Lord to deliver us. Amen? But if you wait patiently on Him, don't press the panic button yet. Isn't it amazing how the Lord waits until after the crisis passed the point that you think you're broke and you can't go any further and everything is falling apart and then the Lord just steps in and peace be still. Let's make a testimony for the goodness of God in our church and in our individual lives and all God's people said. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this day and we thank you for this song. So much we do not know about it, nor do we need to know or you would have told us. But Lord, we ask that we would live in this truth. We are thankful that you are the one that has fulfilled all the will of God. You have preached the message of righteousness to all. And Lord, you ask us to just simply serve you. We ask that you would find us faithful. And before we finish that prayer, we'll give you a chance to add some of your own right there where you sit. Or you can come to the altar if you would like. And then we'll get into our prayer time here in just a moment.